Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Don Butera. I want to share, we're going to continue on this week in sharing a, a message called Improving Your Serve. And uh, if you were here maybe a little over a month ago, uh, Pastor Caleb from Maron Sharon was here. Now, if, if you know anything about Pastor Caleb, uh, one, I love him, but... You know, he's, he, if, if you wanted to say he's a, a, a prestigious, you know, guy, I would say he is. I mean, his church in Surabaya is probably running around 12,000, and that's not even counting all the churches he has throughout Indonesia. And he's like, there's only two main guys, and he's, he's one of them, you know. So he's like way up there, you know, if you could say it that way. And, and I know it's not really mean that. And I know he'd get really mad if I said that. Uh, but that day he was here, you know, like last week we had the chairs up on the side and I asked for volunteers at the end of the, the service because uh, the next, about an hour later, we were going to have a thousand people here and we had to add chairs and, and I'm thankful for everyone who served. Well, that day he came, that afternoon we had that same, you know, situation where we had to move all these chairs and set up, you know, another 500 chairs or so. Uh, more and, and set it all up and, and so I asked for volunteers and when I did like he took his jacket off and his wife took her her coat off and, and, and they rolled up their sleeves and I'm like no 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 don't don't serve you know what are you doing just sit down you're, you're our guest he goes no way I love to serve I want to serve and, and so he, he was right in the mix he was with everybody and, and I just appreciate his heart and you know he doesn't have to do that he doesn't have to do that, but he knows, and this is the thing I love about uh, Pastor Caleb, is, is he knows that serving is the number one thing. You know, when, when, when we sit around in our leadership here in the, in the church, or I visit other churches, and I, I talk to their leadership, and, and I ask them, you know, what do you need? What do you need? 90% of the time, if not even more, they will say, we need more people to serve. they always asking for more people to serve. They're not, many times they don't, have, they, they don't say we need money, we don't need this, we don't need that. We need more people to serve. And I would say to you today that the key aspect, uh, I don't know why they're putting that screen, stop looking at that, that has nothing to do with what I'm saying. <laughs> have too much fun. Um, you know, if we want to change the world, if we want to change Bali, if we want to change the world, if we want to make an impact in the world, we need people to serve. We don't need more money. We don't need bigger buildings. We don't need more Christians in power. We don't need any of that. What we need is people who are willing to serve. That is the key to changing society. Can I get an Amen. It's the truth, because if it was buildings, if it was money, if it was people in power, we were already made all the impact we need, because we have all of that. We do. But it's really about people serving. You know, God was sitting up in heaven, and we know the very famous verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, he was in heaven and it says in Philippians chapter two, it says, have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider that something to hold on to. 
But he made himself nothing and he took upon the form of a servant. And being found in the likeness of man, he didn't, you know, he went on and it's basically he gave, he gave his life. And boy, did he make an impact. It's really all about serving. And today we're going to talk about that. Today we're going to talk about serving. Last week, now you can put that, uh, the, 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 yeah, that thing you had up there a minute ago. Last week, we, we read this verse, and it's out of, uh, you know, uh, Joshua, and basically, it's asking the question, who will you serve? And last week, we talked about this. The question is not, will you serve? The question is, who will you serve? That's the question, because the, 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 the insult of the Bible to us is that we are servants, and we serve one or the other. There is no way around it. You either serve the evil one or you serve God. And if you say, well, I serve myself, yeah, back to the evil one, because that's what he wants. That's what his desire is. And we talked about last week of how, you know, you, 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 you do the things your employer wants you to do. You take on his DNA. You, you just, this is it. And so you have a choice. Who are you going to serve? Well, in this whole idea of servanthood, we go around and, 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 and Romans, uh, chapter one, in Romans chapter 1, actually all the way through chapter t- uh, verse 12, Paul says something quite interesting, and he, he kind of does this really crazy thing. And in verse 1, it says this. He says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Now, he uses this term bondservant, and I'll talk about what that means and what, what that is. And, and some of the translations don't even use it, but this is the actual word that's being used. It's used in many places in the, in the New Testament when he calls himself servant. He's really saying bondservant. And we'll talk about what that is. But what's really interesting is you have Paul, the writer of all these scriptures. Like He's like the main man. I mean, this guy was so powerful that, that like it says in, in Acts that like he would be working because he worked and, and, and he would have these rags and sweat would get on the rags and people would take those rags and touch people and they would get healed. I mean, we're talking power. You know, we're talking amazing power. He was a very, very gifted man, a very, very uh, uh, influential man, high up in rank. And basically, he gives himself a title. And that title is bondservant. And what's interesting here when you see in this verse is he's, his, his position is bondservant. And from that position, he's called to be an apostle. You see, his position was the most important thing. He took the position and then was given a title. And then God gave him a call and said, go this way. See, he, God is waiting us for us to take the right position so he can call us and give us a title. Sometimes we're waiting for titles in order to do something. And, and, and we'll never get the title unless we get the position right. Can I get an Amen. See, it's more important to have the right position than have the right title. How many people know people who have titles who really don't deserve the titles because they probably don't understand the position? 
How many times do you see pastors and leaders who love the title but don't understand the position? 20, 20 some, maybe almost, almost 30 years ago, uh, I, I was the just beginning pastoring and, uh, you know, I just had this crazy idea uh, and so I drew it out and I, and, I, and, I, and I thought, well, you know, the greatest among you is supposed to be the servant. So the, the pastor's at the bottom, you know, and then the leaders who help the pastor, they're like second level bottom. And I drew this whole picture and I, I turned the whole structure of, you know, what you normally see upside down because that's actually the true picture, and I, I presented it. I was a young pastor at that time, and I, I presented it to our deacon board. I presented it to, you know, some of the leaders, and I said, I think this is the way we're supposed to go, and they all looked at me and said, it would never work. So not having any kind of, uh, I don't know, stubbornness at that time, feeling like I'm new and I don't know what I'm doing, I didn't do it, but actually in, in, in our community here, that's actually the structure. The leaders are at the bottom, we believe this. And our motto is that, or our, our thinking is that, we, you, that you, you are at the top. And the first thing we want to do is we don't want to put anything between you and God. That's why we don't want the pastor at the top. That's why we don't want the leaders above you. We want them below you. And the goal of the, of the leadership, the goal of those under you is to push you towards God. And I believe that's the way we should be. And so the first thing we got to get right is the position. And the position is one of bondservant. Now, what is a bondservant? About a year ago, uh, a Pastor Herman, who is a friend of our congregation, he, he spoke, and he actually spoke about this. If you were there, you remember, I thought it was an amazing message. Uh, I won't go as long as him, but I just want to tell you what a, a bondservant is. First, the definition of a bondservant is someone who belongs to another. Someone without any rights, ownerships, or rights of their own. They have no rights, no ownership of anything. And what would happen if you don't know the story or how it worked in, the, in, in, in that time, a bondservant is it's like a slave, and, and slavery was different than maybe you see on TV or you've heard about. It didn't work that way. So, so what would happen is, say, say I, was a, I was someone and I was a businessman and, and I had a family and, and I had bills and, 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 I, and I mismanaged all of it. And I mismanaged it so much that I became uh, part of like, I just owed so much money and I was just so far in debt, I could not pay. And someone came along, a friend, maybe a relative or someone who I knew would come and he would pay the debt. And he would pay the debt off. And when he paid the debt off, I would become his slave. That's how, he, that's how I became a slave. And so what would happen is I would work for this man. I would be his slave until the debt was completely paid off or the year of Jubilee came, which in the Old Testament, the year of Jubilee was never done, which is sad to say. Uh, and so then I would be set free. And so after I paid off all my debt, normally what would happen is uh, the, my owner, my master, would usually give me a piece of land and say, okay, this is a piece of land that you have, and I'll give that to you, and you are now completely free. You have no obligation to me. You are debt-free, and now you are released. I set you free. 
And a bondservant would do something at this point. Someone who wanted to become a bondservant would say to that master, they would say, Master, thank you. I know that I'm free. I'm completely free to make any decision I want now. But because you are so amazing and I love who you are and I love working for you, I love being your slave, he would come up to the door of the house and he would take his ear and he would take a small piece of wood and he would pierce his ear with the wood and he would put the wood in his ear and he would signify that says, I am completely free of everything, but because I love my master, I'm going to serve him the rest of my life. Now, if you can understand that, the idea of who we are to Jesus Christ is exactly supposed to be that way. You see, there's an old song in, in the United States, and it basically says, he paid a debt he didn't owe. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And Jesus came and into my life, and I know he came into many of yours, and he came in, and, 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 and there was nothing I could do. I was bankrupt. And God paid the debt for me. And at that point, unlike the, the story I just told, at, right at that point, Jesus said to me, Donald, your, pet, your, your debt is paid. You are free. You owe me nothing. Woo! I don't know about you, but for me, when I think about that, and I think about how Jesus just set me free, it just, oh, when I, I mean, I experienced that, 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 that freedom from shame, that, that freedom from sin, the things that were, that were weighing me down. I, I, I felt all of that, and I still remember that. To this day, I'm just in awe. You know, when we were singing that song about where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come out of the dark, into the light. I mean, you know, I just think that that's exactly, even today, God, even today, God says, you're free. You don't have to serve me but I want to serve him. So I want to put the, the peg in my ear and I want to say, God, I love you. I love who you are and I want to serve you. And I can't say I've done that perfectly, but that's the analogy. And so today I want to talk about being a bondservant. What does that mean? What is it all about? Now, to do that, I just want to just share a few thoughts first, and that is there's a difference between being a volunteer and being a servant. There's quite a big difference between being a volunteer and being a servant. First of all, do you know in the New Testament, there is no word, the, the volunteer is never used. There's nowhere in the New Testament where it says volunteer for Jesus. Never says it, never uses the word. It's never talked about, you know, because, well, let me just, I, I like, I like these, these, these levels of living. I, I love levels of living. I have different models, and, and this is one of them, because you have, first you have the, you, the first level is, is a level of a volunteer, you know, and, and the mindset of a volunteer is kind of like this. Let me just give you the mindset of a volunteer, okay? Mindset of a volunteer says, I am generously giving of my time. I generously give of my time. You know, I'll give you my time. You know, I, 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 
you know, and, 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 and when I give him my time, I know that you're benefiting because I'm helping. I know that when I give to this and, you know, I set aside my time, I give it to you and, and I know that you'll benefit from that. And, and so, you know, you'll be grateful for me. And, you know, as a volunteer, as a volunteer, so, so if I volunteer for something, then, of course, if I volunteer, then you should, you should uh, uh, provide food so that I can, you know, serve. You know, if I volunteer for an event, then, then maybe I should be able to go there for free. This is the mindset of a volunteer. At the end of the day, a, a volunteer, sometimes this is the way they think, and it just happens. They say, Lord, you know, I want to be used by you. But at the end, sometimes they end up saying, I feel so used. That's kind of a mindset of a volunteer, you know, because they are giving, you know. And then the next level is a servant. Now, a servant, the definition of a servant is someone who executes the the commands of another, you know, especially a master. So basically, a servant, you know, he'll stay there. He'll do whatever he's asked. When you ask him to do something, he'll do it. When you tell him to do something, he'll do it. That's what a servant does. Nothing more, nothing less. Can I say that, you know, in, 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 in the Christian world, we have servants and we have volunteers, but... We don't have a lot of bond servants. Even I'm challenged by this message. Because a bond servant has no rights at all. He looks at, it, he looks at life and he looks at things as a privilege to do for the master. It excites him to do something for the master. And he doesn't do what he's just, he doesn't do just what he's told. He does everything. You know? So let's talk about what a, the goal, first the goal of a bondservant. Very simple, the goal of a bondservant. First Peter chapter 4 says this, If anyone serves, he should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. So the goal of a bondservant is to give praise and honor and glory to the king. At the end of the day, the only thing that the bondservant is concerned about is, will God get glory? And could I challenge you? I know this is a difficult message, and if I, if I was, my leg was good, I'd be running around right now, but, you know, I have to, I, you know, I can't. It's like a pulled muscle, and yeah, it hurts, but it doesn't hurt too bad. The goal is to give God glory. And so here's how you know whether you're a bondservant or not. When's the last time someone walked up to you and said, I praise God for you. I thank God for your life. I, am, I thank God because you are in my life. See, that's what a bondservant, and, and like, a bondservant would get excited about that. That would be like, awesome! A volunteer would go, don't you realize how much money I gave you? 
See, let me just do it this way. The difference between a volunteer, I heard this the other day, the difference between a volunteer and a bondservant is like this. A volunteer is like a chicken. He lays an egg and he gives you the egg. Oh, it's great. It's good. Got an egg. Good egg. Really good. Fresh. All good. And he'll keep giving you as many eggs as possible. As, you know, you know it's fine. That's what he'll give you. But a bondservant's kind of like a cow. And he says, make hamburger out of me. Basically, he gives his life. Doesn't care at the end that he's dead. As long as he's used fully. And the goal of a bondservant is for God to get all the praise. It's quiet in here today. I hope we're okay. I hope we're okay. I ran out of time in the first gathering, so I'm going to skip right to the attitudes of a bondservant, the attitudes of a servant of God. What, what are the attitudes that they should have? Very simple. First one, thankfulness. Thankfulness. Have you ever noticed how thankfulness changes the atmosphere of things completely? I mean, come on, I've seen it. And I, well, I won't tell you who, but I remember watching a couple, and, and I've learned not to do this, but I've, I've seen a couple, in the, and the wife says to the husband, let's go do blah, blah, blah. And, and so, you know, the first thing you see the husband do is he gets sad. He doesn't really want to go shopping or whatever it is. And he's miserable the whole time through the whole event. It makes no fun. It changes the atmosphere completely than if someone goes and they're just thankful, you know? Check it out. You can have it all, Every part of my world. Will you go tonight and go do that? That's not in my time frame, Lord. No. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. What do you want me to do, Lord? Here's a mop. It's not my calling, Lord. We got to be more like a dog. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to go. I just want to do it. Yes. Okay, good. Give me the towel. Give me the mop. Yeah, yeah, God. Thank you, God. Change the whole atmosphere of your world. This is why Paul, I mean, in Philippians, he's writing in the first chapter, and he says, I am so, he's in prison, I am so thankful that I am in prison because now the whole guard and all the prisoners have heard about Jesus and I thank God that I can suffer for him. What a different attitude as a bondservant. Thanking God that he just gets to have a piece, gets to play a small part in what God is doing. But not my calling, Lord, you know, I want, to be, I want to be the worship leader, you know. Well, you can't sing, but we have 17 other things you can do. Not my calling. 
Come on, we've seen it. We've seen it. You know, I've cringed. I've done it. You're in a, you're in a situation. You're, you, you've got something to do. You've got an agenda in, you know, to do in, in, in your day. You know, it's an agenda there. And, and all of a sudden, you've got that divine interruption. It's very hard to be thankful in the midst of a divine interruption. You know? Friday uh, was a glorious day. It's a glorious day. This guy wanted to get baptized, and he wanted to get baptized in the sea. And so we went, you know, we went, we all met, and he brought a bunch of his friends, and we went down to the beach, and, and all of a sudden there were, oh boy, over two meter waves. I mean, they were huge waves. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world am I going to baptize a guy in this kind of ocean? But I noticed that some of the people around him, they didn't really, they had never experienced Jesus. And I'm like, all I prayed through the whole time was, God, I want to I do something for you. I, wanna, I want someone to see you. And so we got baptized in the, in the, in the, in the ocean. That's when I hurt my leg. And I won't tell you who the guy is, but he hit me. Even after we went under the water, he banged me in the head. I don't know if it was his foot or his leg, or I have no idea what it was. <laughs> but then we went and had lunch. And as we were going over to lunch, I had one prayer. God, please have someone sit next to me who doesn't know you. So I sat down, and the first guy that sat next to me, he knew Jesus. I was not happy. I was not, honestly was not happy. He didn't know it, but I was not happy. I wasn't even thankful. I was like, no, God. And so the person sat across from me. We got in a conversation. And by the end of that conversation, she began to cry. And she said, I want Jesus. I want to open up my heart to Jesus. And so we prayed together and I just watched her receive Jesus. And it was so exciting. And so, so I, there was a pool at the, at the restaurant we were at. So I said, well, there's water. Why don't we get baptized? And I was all set to baptize her in that water. I was really thrilled. And then all she says, well, you know where I really want to be baptized? And I was like, no. <laughs> it was 20 minutes away. I'm like, oh, 20 minutes away. God, 20 minutes away. I got to go somewhere. I'm like, no, God, I will go wherever she wants. It's worth it. It's worth the time. It's whatever she wants. I will give her whatever she wants because God is coming into her life. See, divine interruptions. If we're, and, and it ended up, uh, God bless me because at the end of the day, she couldn't go there. And so we ended up baptizing her right in the pool in the, in the, in the restaurant. It was a glorious time. I was so thankful to baptize her. It was a joy. And actually the, the man who got baptized in the, in the ocean was, helped me baptize her in the pool. That's, that's what it's all about right there. That's what it's all about. And so... So, you know, I don't care about my leg, but see, as if we have an attitude of a bondservant, we will give up our time and our rights and our territories and our talents and everything we have. We will give it all up because the master is calling us to do something. And we'll do it with a thankful heart. Because even in those divine interruptions, I'm telling you, be thankful, even though it's hard, because you don't know what's happening you don't know the plan that God has in mind during those times. So just be thankful. Second thing, 
is a, is a bondservant has a, has a prayerful heart. Now, just so you know, I'm taking all of this from Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. And, and in verse 9, he says, God knows how often I pray for you day and night. I bring, you, uh, I bring your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart. See, Paul was a bondservant, and he prayed day and night for what he wanted. Nope. Matter of fact, I think many times Paul never even prayed for what he wanted because all he wanted was what God wanted. And you know, you will, you will, you will invest in, you will give your time to what you pray for. And so if you're praying for your business all the time, that's what you'll give your time to. But if you're praying for people, if you're praying what God prays for, because the Bible says that Jesus prays day and night for the wealth of the world. <clears throat> Wrong answer. Jesus prays day and night for the businesses of the world. <clears throat> Wrong answer. It says he prays and intercedes for us always, for us, for people. That's what he prays for. Do you pray day and night for people? Or are we so consumed with ourselves? You can have it all, Lord. Every part of my world, and as long as it revolves around me. Third thing is uh, a bondservant, he looks for opportunities to serve. He looks for opportunity to serve. Romans chapter 10 says, one of the things I always pray for is an opportunity, God willing, to come and see you. He's always looking for opportunities to serve, and I don't care, I can't stay up here any longer, so I'm going to come down. Shut up, leg. You have no place in my life. <laughs> looking for opportunities to serve. Looking around, actively ready to serve. You know, the Bible talks about the word wait. Wait on the Lord. You know, and it says even in uh, 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 Acts chapter 2, it says they waited on the Lord. Do you know what that word means? It means to wait kind of like a, like, like a lion does in the bush for his prey. So he's not waiting like this. He's waiting I'm just waiting for the opportunity. I get that opportunity. I am going to jump. I am going to move so fast. I just need a small a dose or a hint that that's the time, and I'm going. That's the kind of waiting that God's talking about. That's all they say is bike. You know, they say fine, right? Yeah, I know. But how, how you doing, really? Amazing. Seriously, everything going good. See, but... Always ask two and three times. Stop. Really ask them. Really ask them. As if you care. As if you'll take the time to actually listen to them and see a way. I guarantee you, you do that today, you do that this week, and 50 opportunities will open up to you. I can't tell you how many times I've done that right here in this room where I've walked up to someone, how are you doing? Oh, good. How you doing, really? You know, 
hey, I'll give you, I'll give you one. Just recently, uh, a few months ago, I did this. Lady started crying. I said, what's going on? She said, my husband's divorcing me. We prayed together. I got her some help. And today, she's back with her husband. They're together, and they're loving Jesus, and they're celebrating God together. It's amazing what God will do if you take the opportunity, if you actually look. Look around. Look around at your job. Look around at your friends. Look around in your neighborhood. Look around. Stop getting so caught up in who you are. You know, I tell the young people, I don't understand it. I watch them. They spend so much time on the way they look, on, on, on their hair being just the right way and all this stuff. And I keep saying, stop worrying about all that. Look at me. Eventually, the big stomach, the hair coming out of the ears, it's all coming your way. <laughs> don't waste your time. No matter what you do. You know, I just told somebody the other day, they're working out, they're pumping up. They're probably one of your friends, Johnson, and they're all like this. I said, yeah, what's there? We'll go there eventually. You know, that's what happens. That's why I never lifted weights, because I don't want a lot down there later. Looking for opportunities to serve. Looking for them. You know, Jesus said, if you're faithful with the little things, I'll make you faithful in much. Elisha. Elijah comes over to Elisha. He puts his coat around him. And he said, you are going to be the next prophet like me. Elisha's like, I want double portion. I want double portion of what you are. So be it. Now, do you know what he did, I think, for the next 13 years? Do you know what his title was? Seriously, what his title was? He was the hand washer of Elijah. 13 years he served Elijah, never having a title, never doing anything but washing Elijah's hands. And if you know the story, Elijah said, if you see me go up, 13 years he watched and waited. I'll never get my opportunity. You know, I've served in this place for so long, I'm never going to get my opportunity. That's a volunteer for you. But then Elisha got his opportunity, didn't he? And a double portion flew on him and the miracles that happened. Because he served, he was willing to be a bondservant, a hand washer. That was his title. Some of you want to say, hey, I want to preach in front of thousands. Or I want to see thousands get saved. Me too. Start with one. Start with one. You can't get to a thousand unless you start with one. Okay. I love you. Uh, next characteristic is the heart of giving. And I'm not talking about money here. It's interesting. Paul says this. For, a long, for, for I long to visit with you to bring, or the word is to impart, impart into you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. See, he was looking to give. He was looking to impart. And what's interesting is when you actually have this kind of attitude in people's lives, when you look to impart, this is what Jesus did. 
You're taking, so what Jesus did is he came in and he wanted to impart blessings. So how did he do it? He took the burden of the person upon himself and left the blessing. And that's what God wants us to do. We come into people's lives and we give to them. We carry the burden for them and we carry the burden so they can hold on to the blessing. That's what Paul was looking to do. This is the heart of a giver, the one who gives. He doesn't give and say, aren't you glad I gave? Aren't you glad? I, don't you know how long I've stayed with you and waited for you and, you know, and, and done this for you? When are you going to change? That's a volunteer. That's not a bond servant. And that's why, just thinking about it, that's why I know you moms out there, I'll just give you a, I'll give you a feel, feel good one. <laughs> come on, I know you guys have done that. I mean, come on, how many times have you just held up your kids and they don't care, but you do it again in a minute without even thinking. You just do it because you love them so much and all you want is the best for them. This is the heart of a giver. The one who just wants to see that person blessed no matter what it takes. And finally, uh, Paul says in, 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 first, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, verse, Romans chapter 1, verse 12, he talks about being a team player. He says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. So that, so, uh, so, but also I want you to be encouraged. I want to be encouraged by yours. He likes to be together with people, you know. So he's like, when we get together, I can't wait to criticize the way you guys are organized. When we get together, I can't wait to tell you how you don't live right. Nope, he's a team player, man. So your weaknesses are his weaknesses. Your strengths are his strengths. His strengths are yours. His weaknesses are your weaknesses. And together, they walk together and they look to help one another. You guys are telling me my time is up. I know my time is up. I love these guys. These guys serve well. Give them a hand. I love these guys. You got a girlfriend? Yes. You have a girlfriend already? Okay, so you're not single. All right, never mind. I'll just tell everybody if you were... Okay. <laughs> anyway, have, have I met your girlfriend, Ogie? Have I met your girlfriend? I, I'm, okay. Oh, only one time. I need to get together with you guys and talk about relationships. Anyways, <laughs> um, so we got to be a team player coming together, you know, not like sitting there. I'm very talented. He's not so talented. Oh, how come he's so bad? No, we work together to encourage one another. That's what a servant does. He looks for things that are pure and are holy and are of a good report. That's what he meditates on. That's what he talks about. Last verse, and then I'll close. This is a very interesting verse in John chapter 10. It says, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. A hired hand runs away because he's only working for money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I saw 
I'll just say it this way. I saw, I saw uh, a time, uh, you know, we know we've had earthquakes here, you know, and I saw the people who were supposed to be helping the people get out of the building running to get out of the building first. It's a hired hand. The question is, is will we stay and serve the king when others need help, when there's danger? I had a friend, and I'll, I'll just close with this story. I had a friend, he was in Jakarta. He, he, he was a, he's a boule who worked in Jakarta, a very like, prestigious job, but he had a heart to serve this uh, never-been-reached group uh, for Jesus. And he used to go on his weekends. He would go up into these places, and he would serve. And he, he, he couldn't get any headway. He couldn't get through. He tried and tried and tried. He said, for a few years, this is you know, several years ago, and if you remember you know, all the pressure and all the, the, the problems that happened uh, in Jakarta with the riots and all of that stuff, and during all that time, he was there, and a lot of the boules left. Indonesia, because it was dangerous. But he stayed. He even lost his job, but he said, these people have not heard about Jesus yet. I haven't had breakthrough, and I'm staying. I don't care about my life. He was actually shot at. He had been shot, shot at and all this stuff, but he just said, I've, these people need Jesus. And he said, I don't care about my life. I just care about them. It was only after all of the riots started happening, and after he was shot at, that the people said, oh, you're not like all the other boules who just run. You really do care about us. You really do want something, like to, 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 to impart something to us. So now we will listen to you, and today there's a work there because he stayed. A bondservant stays even when it gets rough. Hired heads run. So the question is, is what will we do? Now, I'm going to just close in prayer, and I'm going to say one thing. Next week. We're going to